Okay, so welcome to our new series, Fundamentals of Prayer. My name is Rabbi Hillel Shacks. I work for the Greater Washington Community Kollel, and I run a program on behalf of GWCK called Links. And uh, this this series and this evening's class falls under the the Links programming. Um, guess we'll we'll get right into it, and we'll also do. We'll do introductions and we'll, we'll, we'll intertwine it into, the, into the, the class itself. So I wanna just start us off with a, a little story to get us thinking. So at Hasidic weddings, there is a custom, I guess you could call it, to invite a, what's called a badchan. A badchan is basically a comedian and uh, they entertain the families, the bride and the groom with with jokes and imitations and, you know, all in good spirit and clean. And uh, at a particular wedding, which was being attended by one of the great Hasidic rabbis, the badchen asked, this comedian asked the Hasidic rabbi if he could imitate the rabbi as part of the, the, the fun. And the rabbi agreed. He agreed, go ahead, you know, let's, let's enjoy this. And sure enough, this Rebbe was known to daven, to pray in a very particular, you know, new way. He had a high-pitched voice. He got very into it. And this comedian, this badchen, did a perfect job of impersonating the Rebbe. And all the people at the wedding who, who were members of this chasidos, they, they knew how this Rebbe davened. They knew how he prayed. They were they were just on the floor, you know, chuck holding their stomachs with laughter. It was so funny. It was an amazing job. And, and the Rebbe at first was enjoying it himself as well. But, but soon his, his mood seemed to change drastically. And he looked very distraught. And he even started to, to cry. And the, 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 the comedian, the Badchen, was, was actually now himself very distraught. He felt so bad. He had, he had hurt, hurt the Rebbe's feelings. So he went over to apologize and the Rebbe responded, the Rebbe responded, he said, no, 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 don't feel bad. It's not your fault. He said, when you were impersonating me, you were doing it so exactly that you, it was such a perfect impersonation that it sounded just the way that I sound when I pray. And he said, it suddenly occurred to me that if a total, not a total stranger, but if a stranger, if somebody else could imitate me so well, could mimic the way that I pray each day so well, then maybe at times when I myself am davening, when I myself am praying, then maybe I am merely imitating myself. And that's why I'm so upset. Because perhaps my prayer just mimics itself each day and it doesn't take on anything new each day. It looks the same. It's without passion, perhaps. And I think that, uh, that, that we all, you know, have each person approaches prayer differently. Some people pray often and it becomes like we're describing, describing, you know, sort of mimics each day, re re repetitive. Some people pray less and, uh, and our sages really spoke spoke to this challenge that we have when it comes to prayer. And the sages write in the Talmud, in Masachet Brachot, they write, it's on, it's on the source sheet. By the way, if you, if you have the source sheet, you could follow along with it. I'm not planning to, to share it on my screen in general. It's, you know, we're not gonna do such a in-depth text. At times I might share it, but in general, I, it's easier for me to be able to see everyone. When I share my screen, I can't see as many people. So, uh, so the, actually, before I continue, what I will do is I'm going to drop the, the, the source sheet into the, tech, the chat in case somebody doesn't have it. And on that note, I'll add that there's one change. I made one mistake I, on, on the original source sheet I'd sent out. So if you didn't print it yet, you can use this one. If you did, it's okay. It's just one, one difference, which I'll, when I get to it, I'll, I'll mention it. But uh, so I'm going to share the source sheet in the chat. And you could grab it from there if you don't have it. There it is. And uh, so, so the sages teach us in the Talmud, they say that the words of prayer are 
Dvarim ha'omdim birumo shel olam, which means they, they stand in the highest, most lofty places. Prayer, tefillah, is one of the most lofty activities a person can engage in, and yet people take it lightly. That's what they say. And this is writing, you know, 1500 years ago, that people take it lightly. And, and what that means is perhaps what we're referring to. We, we, we don't do it with passion. We get distracted easily. Now I can speak for myself. My thoughts travel around the world twice, you know, while I'm, while I'm praying. We, uh, we, you know, some people, they're, they're, they're distracted by their phone or by other things when they're trying to pray. We often take it lightly. We rush through it so many different ways, so many different things. But this is something that, that has clearly been a challenge for generations. And the question is why? Why is it that we, we, we have difficulty with prayer? And there could be many reasons, but I'm hoping that throughout this class, we'll be able to address some of them. Perhaps we don't realize the significance. Perhaps we don't fully understand what it is that we're doing, what it is we're trying to accomplish when we pray. Or perhaps it's because we're frustrated. We pray, we pray, we pray, and we don't see the results. You know, where are the results, God? I've been asking for something. I've been praying for something. Where are the results? And when we don't see our prayers answered, so we become frustrated or disillusioned. And the next time we don't pray with the same passion anymore, because does it really work? Does it really accomplish anything? So we have to try to address these issues, these challenges. And I'm hoping that throughout this, this class, we'll, we'll be able to find answers, find meaning, find inspiration, and really transform the way that we approach prayer. I'll tell you just for myself, Justin, working on preparing this class the last couple of weeks. So already my, my prayers are different. And, uh, and as we go, I'm sure for myself, they'll, you know, it, it, it will keep improving. And I know what happens is, you know, eventually the class finishes and then starts to, you know, to fade away. But that's, that's the challenge is to keep strong and to try to hold on to the ideas that we pick up and really make them Rabbi, part of our life, part of our prayer. Is there a question? Rabbi? Yes. Yes, Rabbi. Um, I've always lately been wondering this. Uh, I try to, I do little spurts of prayer every once in a while. It's kind of hard right now, but does, it, does a Jewish person get on a knee or knees when they pray? Do they? Get, no, we don't generally get on our knees. That's a good question. We don't. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So what are, what, are, what are the goals of the class? What are we going to try to do? What, what will each class look like? So one number one is, is sort of the philosophy behind prayer. What is it? What's the purpose? What are we trying to accomplish? We'll try to answer some very fundamental questions. Um, there are lots of questions that we can have about prayer, just how it works. But for example, you know, like we're alluding to, you know, sometimes our prayers aren't answered. What happens to those prayers? Are they wasted prayers? What's the purpose of praying? After all, a, a basic tenet of, of, of Judaism is that everything that God does is for the best. So why would I want to change God's mind if everything is for the best? What's, why do we engage in prayer? Now, we're not going to answer all these questions tonight, but it's good to to get us thinking and, and some things will we'll partially answer them and we'll always be building on, on ideas. Um, I also wanna go through the primary liturgy, the main prayer that, that we have in our tradition, which is the Amidah, the standing prayer, the, sometimes called the Shmona Esrei, because it was originally 18 blessings and, uh, and look at it. And we're not gonna do like a deep, deep dive where, cause you could spend years doing a fully deep dive into it, but at least get a sense of what the main purpose of each of the, each of the blessings are. We'll look at the blessings. Some of them are familiar to us. Some, for some people, they'll be less familiar, but we'll explore them and try to incorporate them into the topics that we touch on and, uh, and really share practical and inspirational ideas 
for helping us improve our prayer, improve our kavanah, our concentration, and uh, and hopefully we will all grow from this and 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 have a new transformed approach to our tefillah, to our to our prayers. Um, how long will the class go for? The truth is, I don't know. Um, we'll just go, you know, as long as people are enjoying it, we'll keep going. If there's, if I feel there's more interesting ideas to share, and uh, when I run out of uh, great material, then uh, then we'll find another topic and we'll we'll move on. So I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'm gonna throw out for now about ten weeks. Um, so hopefully. People are in for that, and uh, but everybody, you know, should feel feel free to come as you want, and also please share feedback um, and share questions. So you can share questions between classes that you'd like me to to address, and I'll tell you during a class, um, you're welcome to unmute and ask a question. If you ask a question in the chat, I am not going to read it until after the class because I can't read while I teach. So. Or I can't read questions while I teach. So uh, you're welcome to unmute to ask a question. If you want, if you'd rather just type a question, then I'll try to read it when the when we finish the class. Okay. So to understand what tefillah is, what prayer is, we really need to look at how it appears in the Torah. And the truth is that the Torah is full of prayer. You know. Adam prays, uh, that's not as explicit, but Adam prays, Abraham, Abraham prays, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Moshe prays a lot, all over the Torah, right? Hannah in, in, in the prophets, the mother of Shmuel, Samuel, she prays. So there's lots of prayer going on in the, in the Torah and, and each of these events really can teach us something and we can examine those and we will touch on many of them, I think, throughout throughout the, the series. But I wanna go really to try to find a source for the idea that we should be praying. Is there a mitzvah? Is there a commandment in the Torah to, put, to pray on a regular basis? And the truth is that like many of these types of questions, it depends who you ask. But according to Maimonides, there is a positive commandment, one of the 613 mitzvot, one of the 613 commandments, to daven and to pray every single day, at least once. The Torah doesn't give us the words. Our sages have given us words. But the Torah, the Torah has a commandment to pray at least once a day. And that is found in the verse that is quoted by the Talmud. It's the second source on the source sheet. The verse says, it's actually from the second paragraph that we recite in the Shema. The verse says, to serve God with all of your heart. So the Talmud says, how do you serve with your heart? How do you serve God with your heart? So the Talmud answers, which is the service of God that is performed at the heart? You must say that this is referring to prayer. It's referring to tefillah. So that's what the Talmud says, that, and, and there's numerous places actually where it refers, this is just one verse where it talks about service of the heart. Maimonides quotes a number of others in, in various places where it refers to service of the heart. And, uh, and he understands, as do others, other major authorities in our tradition, that there is a positive commandment in the Torah to pray every day. And the way that it's presented is as le'avdo, to serve God. So prayer, I mean, that's how we often refer to it in English, is a, is a prayer service. So we call prayer, and that's what le'avdo is, to serve. So it's a service, <clears throat> which is kind of an interesting word to describe the way that many of us think of prayer. Because I think many people, when they think of a prayer, they think about asking God for their needs. Now, if, if I would ask you, if somebody goes into a restaurant and starts listing off the things that they want, what we call ordering, right? I'd like pizza and a soda and some French fries, right? And they're listing off all of the things that they want. And there's a waiter and he brings it to them. So who is the one doing the service? Right? It's not the person placing the order. That's not service. The service is the one bringing the food. 
So in what way, how can we call asking God for our needs service? When God, if God performs, a, you know, if God fulfills our need, if he brings us our order, maybe that's service. But how, why, why is it service when we ask God for our needs? That's question <clears throat> number one. Why do we call it service? How is it serving God to ask for what we, what we need? So obviously there's more to prayer than just simply asking. Now we'll hold that question. We'll come back to it. Now, next question, how should we organize our prayer? In other words, is there a way that our tradition teaches us to pray? Or do we just, we want something, we need something, we just start to ask, or we open up the door, we open up our prayer book, we find, and we start to, to, you know, please God, please provide me with this. I need this, I need help with this. So again, our sages teach us, and this applies to actually the way that the, the traditional liturgy, the Amidah, the Shemona Esrei is arranged. Our sages teach us, it's on the source sheet, it's number four, Rabbi Simlai taught, one should always set forth praise of the Holy One, blessed to be he, and then pray for his own needs. So the, the, the Talmud teaches us that before we daven, before we pray, before we ask for our own needs, we need to first praise God. We start off with praise. So again, this is a curious thing, right? If somebody, if somebody, um, needs a favor from a friend. You need something. So you can imagine you call them up and you say, listen, you know, you're my good friend. I know how generous you are. You're such a good guy. You're such a good girlfriend. You're so nice, right? Everyone always says how helpful you are. And by the way, you know, can you do me a favor, right? So we understand that how that works when we're dealing with people or somebody is in business and there's something that they want. So they invite another businessman to, to, to a meeting and they invite them to a restaurant and they serve them a good meal and they make them feel good. And then you ask for, for what, you, what you're looking for, right? So I understand when we're dealing with other people, other human beings, that's how we operate, that's effective. But when we're, when we're speaking to God, it seems a little bit inappropriate that we should first praise God before we ask him for something. Are we trying to like butter him up before we, before we get to, you know, to, to our, to our ask? Doesn't seem like that should be, that should be necessary or appropriate even to, to treat God in such a manner. But this is what we do. And this is what the Talmud tells us to do. And this is what we do in, again, in the Amidah, the Shemona Esrei, the central Jewish prayer that's recited regularly. So it starts off with three blessings that involve praising God. And then after we've praised God, then we're ready to move into the requests, our ask. <clears throat> and again, how do we understand this? What, what are we doing? Why are we, why are we first, are we first just making God feel good before we, before we ask him for what we want? Why are they, why do the sages teach us that we should first praise him and then ask. Go ahead, Sue. Possibly to show gratitude for what's already good before you start going into um, whatever may be troubling you. Okay, that's an interesting idea. You, if you show appreciation for what God's given to you, then maybe God will be more willing to answer your, your prayer. Yeah. Well, what if it's not like you're looking for a specific uh, thing to be given to you? Something like if you're having a situation where something's troubling you, you don't know how to approach some a conversation with a loved one, and it's like you're meditating on it. It's more like your your prayer is so, more like a meditation on right. on it. So the truth is, even that is 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 asking for something. You're asking for clarity. You're asking for help in in having the situation resolve itself. So yeah, I mean that again. The truth is, I just should clarify, right? There's there's two parts. Two. I mean, there's many aspects of prayer, but but what what we're talking about here is 
we could be talking about where a person is deciding to just ask God for something on their own without using the, the liturgy. And then, but also we're applying it equally to the, the liturgy that we have in our tradition, which I'm going to elaborate more on throughout this, this class and where it comes from and why we use it. But, but, but we're talking about both, both right now. So, but yeah, it could be relevant. I would think when the sages say you should start with praise, so it's even, it's whether you're using the traditional liturgy or not. If a person wants to approach God and ask for help with a given situation. So even there, we're, we're being taught, start off by praising God. Maybe to remind us of where everything comes in the, from in the first place. Okay, that's excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. So thank you. Perfect. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll come back to that in, in one second. I want to just take one more step and look at the other end of prayer. The other end, meaning in the organization, this, the Talmud teaches us one more thing about how to organize our prayers. So we've already learned that before we ask, before we make our requests, we should first praise God. Our question is why, you know, how do we speak to God in that way? Are, are we just trying to make him feel good, butter him up before we we ask. So now what about on the other end of things? So again, we have a source in the Talmud and it's source number five on the source sheet. And here the Talmud reads as follows. It says, Rav Yehuda said, one must never request his own needs in the first three or in the last three blessings. So again, the organization of the Shmona Asrei of the 18, which is now 19 blessings, the traditional liturgy, is three blessings at the beginning, which are praise of God, three blessings at the end, which are defined as, as thanks, although there's a little bit more than that, expressing appreciation. And the middle blessings are more the, the request, the, the ask. So, so the, the, the Talmud's telling us that one shouldn't ask, make their requests in the first three or in the last three. Rather, should do so in the middle blessings. As Rabbi Hanina said, during the first three blessings, he is like a servant to arrange his praise before his masters. So that's a similar idea to what we just said. The first three blessings, praise. During the middle blessings, like a servant who requests a reward from his master. I mean, that's where we're asking for something from God. There's many different things that we ask for in the traditional liturgy. That's where we make our ask. And then finally, during the final three blessings, one is like a servant who already received a reward from his master and is taking his leave and departing. So the Talmud says that after we've made our requests, we say, thank you very much, God. And we should behave, we should think as if we've already received what we've asked for. Now that is a little interesting because we haven't, right? <laughs> it, we, we may have asked for a lot, right? And, and usually it's, it's, it's not instant results. Sometimes we never see the results. So why is it that, why is it that the Talmud says that already as soon as you finish asking for something, thank God as if you've received it. Let me see if I, if I get it before I, before I give my thanks. So, so we have three, three questions. First question is, why is prayer called Avoda. Why is it called service? In what way are we serving God when we pray? Number two, why do we first praise God? Seems a little bit inappropriate to just try to make him feel good before we, before we ask him. That doesn't, those words don't even make sense when we're talking about God. That doesn't work that way. And number three, why do we give thanks immediately afterwards as if we've already received what we asked for? That's how the Talmud states it. We haven't received anything yet. So there's a great work, which is often quoted. It's one of the, the uh, I think, essential works on prayer. And it's written by Rabbi Moshe de Tirani, the Mabit for short, the Mabit. And he wrote something in the 16th century. He lived in Svat in the 16th century, along with some of the other greats or around the same time as like the Arizal and Rabbi Yosef Cairo, some of the, the greats of, of Tzfat of that time. 
And the Mabit has a work, it's called Beis Elohim, which is called the, the house of God. And in that work, he has a section on prayer where he goes through some very fundamental ideas about prayer. And the Mabit says that what is the ultimate purpose of our tefillah, of our prayer? Perhaps these questions can help point us to what the real purpose of prayer is. The real purpose of tefillah, at least the tefillah that we're talking about right now, the tefillah that could be a, a mitzvah, a commandment to pray daily. So in truth, there's, as I mentioned, the, the opinion of Maimonides is that there's a mitzvah, there's a commandment to pray daily, which means you don't just wait until you have a great need. It's ongoing. There's always, there's always a need to pray. And he's the one who refers to this verse of service and calls it service. There is a, another opinion, the opinion of Ramban, Rabbi Mo Moshe ben Nachman lived shortly after Maimonides and often, you know, one of our great commentaries as well and often debates Maimonides and Ramban actually disagrees and says, I mean, sure, it's good to pray every day, but it's not one of the 613 commandments. It's not a specific mitzvah to pray every day. Ramban actually understands that the, the Torah only commands us to pray when we have a great need, when we have some like a tsara, he calls it, which is like something, you know, very difficult, then we're called upon to pray. This is, again, from a biblical perspective, from a rabbinic perspective, there's, 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 there's later obligations added. But from a biblical perspective, from the Torah itself, according to, to Rambam, according to Maimonides, there's an obligation to pray every day. According to Ramban, with an N at the end, Nachmanides, there isn't an obligation to pray every day from the Torah, but only when we have a great need. But we're focusing more right now on this idea that there's an obligation every day. So this obligation, perhaps it's not just about having a set time and a set obligation to make all our requests every day, right? It's not just about asking God for things explains Rabbi Moshe de Tirani, the Mabit, that the goal of tefillah is not to have our requests fulfilled. We can leave that up to God. God can decide whether to fulfill our requests, not to fulfill our requests. And that's something, again, we're going to touch on more throughout the, 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 the course, um, why sometimes it is fulfilled, why it's sometimes not. But the goal is to establish for ourselves an awareness, a clear awareness, a clarity that the only one who can provide what we need, the one who can provide what we're lacking is God. God is the one who has the power to fulfill our needs. That is the goal of prayer on a daily basis. When I get up to pray, that should be my goal. Now there's a sub goal sort of that, that we gain from this, another step, which we'll get into soon. But initially that's, that's the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to develop an awareness that God controls everything and God is the one who could provide whatever I need. So like was said before, suggested, now we can understand why we have to open our prayer with praising God. We're not buttering him up. We're not just making him feel good. It's really not for him. You have to start by praising God because we have to clarify for ourselves his greatness, his benevolence, his omnipotence. He can give us what we need. Not because we're putting in a nice word before we ask for something, but to establish and to solidify for ourselves that he's the one who can provide. So we praise him. We say, you are, you know, the, the, the kind one. You are the great one. You are the one who can provide all of our needs. And that way, when we then actually ask God for something, it's not with like a vague sense that maybe I'm talking to someone who can maybe provide, you know, maybe this will work out. Uh, maybe, maybe, right? It's with the confidence I'm speaking to the right, the right one. I'm speaking to the one who can provide what I need. Whether he does or not, okay, that's, that's going to be up to him. It's going to be depend on many factors, but I have confidence 
And I know, I have knowledge that I'm speaking to the one who can provide all of my needs. That's why also the Talmud says that when you finish asking, so you give thanks as if you've received what you were looking for. Because we're not only looking for the sort of the answer to our prayer, but we're getting something from the experience of prayer itself. The very experience of building this up, of, of praising God and then asking God with the clarity that he's the one who can provide all of my needs. So I'm coming away with something. I'm coming away with that I've, I've fulfilled this mitzvah, this commandment. I'm coming away that I've, I've, I've fulfilled the purpose, my, the, the true purpose that I got up to pray in the first place. So I'm walking, I am walking away with something great. I'm walking away with something very, very meaningful. And as we'll discuss momentarily, I'm also walking away sort of with a heightened relationship with God, which we'll, we'll get into in a moment. And also now we can understand why it's called avoda. It's called service. It's a service of God. Because again, asking for things, ordering you know, off of the menu, that's not service. That's expecting service back. But, <clears throat> but developing for ourselves an awareness that, <clears throat> and, and really submitting ourselves before God. God, you're the one who can provide anything that we need. So, and, and, and God, you're the one who's in control of everything. So that submission, that knowledge, that awareness is service of God, submitting ourselves to, to God. It's not for God, it's for us. God doesn't need it, but, but that is, so to speak, serving God because we're submitting ourselves, we're humbling ourselves before God and, 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 and clarifying for ourselves that he's the one who can provide all that we need. So when we incorporate, now when we take this idea and we incorporate it into our tefillah, into our prayers, so it takes on a whole, a whole new level. If you look uh, on the source sheet, for those who have it, so Rabbi Chaim Friedlander, who was a leading rabbi just of last generation um, in, in Israel, so he teaches, he says, we aren't praising God. It's number six. We aren't praising God in order to give him praise and exalt him for him. Rather, so that we ourselves will gain greater recognition of his greatness and unlimited power. And now here's a key step. Here's where we make an important step. And he says that through that recognition, our requests will emanate from deeper within our hearts, that should say, deeper within our hearts, and we will feel our dependence upon him, and we will achieve the purpose of tefillah, of prayer, which is drawing near to God. So he's adding another layer, which is on top of clarifying this awareness that God is in control and God can give us what we, what we need. So the, 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 that's really actually getting us to somewhere else, which is to draw near to God. But let's kind of try to just develop what he says, examine it a little more closely. So if, uh, if we approach God with more of a, a vague sense, like maybe, you know, maybe this can work out. Maybe God has what it takes to, to answer my prayers. So that means we're not praying from a, you know, a, a great depth in our heart. We're not investing in it. When, when we've clarified before we start to ask, when we're sure, when we're confident, I know who I'm talking to. I know there's someone on the other end who's listening. And I know that that person, in this case, God, has the power, has the ability to answer my prayer. So then my prayer takes on a whole new level. It's coming from much deeper in my heart. I'm much more connected to it because I now believe that it's worth something. I believe that it's go, it can accomplish something as opposed to if it's kind of, you know, vague and, 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 and less confident, less into it. So then I'm not as connected. And the more I'm connected to it, the more, the, the deeper from within that it comes. So then that actually means the more, the closer I'm going to be in forming a relationship, I'm really talking to God. And that's ultimately 
the goal of prayer. Above, first clarifying this, we clarify this idea that God can, controls everything and, and everything we've been talking about. But now when I go and actually speak to God, so now I'm really talking to him. I, I'm really connecting. I'm really coming from the depths of my heart. And then that will provide a greater opportunity to, to, to develop a closer connection. Now, th that, that idea is something I want to build up more next class, that step of now building up our connection with God. But it's a really important step where we go from just having this, this clarity, this sense, this awareness that God controls everything. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to God. I'm asking God because he has the ability to make these, 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 these changes to give me what I need. But, uh, but when I ask with the full heart, so then I connect to God at a greater level. And it seems we can find in the Talmud actually the idea that perhaps our prayer will be more effective when prayed in this manner, when prayed with this perspective. And it makes sense because if it's coming, you know, if it's, it's more heartfelt, it's more confident, it's, it, we, we, we believe in it more, so then it's a greater prayer and it should you know, have the ability to be, to be answered um, you know, more, more likely to be answered. So we find this maybe alluded to in the Talmud and this is where the sources got mixed up. So if you have the original source sheet that I emailed out, so number seven is wrong. I, I was redoing an old source sheet and I left on the old source. There's nothing to do with today's class. So actually I'll bring it up um, for those who, who are still looking at, at the first one I said, the one that I dropped into the chat is right. But this is what it should say. Okay, so it's the Talmud in Rosh Hashanah 18a. And it gives the following scenario or two scenarios. It says two people take to their beds. Their illness is the same. They're very sick. Two different people, the same sickness, the same condition, the same age, same everything. Or two people ascend to the tribunal for judgment. And their potential sentence is the same. They both did the same thing, same witnesses, same everything. But this one comes down from his bed. Well, that one does not come down from his bed. I mean, one person is cured, one person is not. This one is saved from death. Well, that one is not saved. Asks the Talmud, for what reason? Oh, excuse me, that's talking about the tribunal. One is saved from death by the tribunal. One of them is not saved. Asks the Talmud, for what reason did this one recover and come down from his bed? Well, that one did not recover and come down from his bed. And why was this one saved from death? Well, th that one was not saved. I mean, we're creating two scenarios. One is two people are sick. They're the exact same, you know, in, in the stock experiment. Exact same sickness, exact same condition, exact same age, exact same health leading up to it. And yet one miraculously survives and one does not. Or two people who are in, in, uh, Two people who are in, in, in court, they're, on, they're, they're in front of a tribunal, they've done the same thing, and, uh, and yet one gets off and one doesn't. How does it happen? So the Talmud says, it says the difference between them is that this one prayed and was answered, while that one prayed was and, but was not answered. One of them had their prayers answered, one of them did not. For what reason was this one answered and that one not answered, asks the Talmud. The reason it says is this one prayed a prayer, a complete prayer, and consequently was answered, while that one did not pray a complete prayer and therefore was not answered. And what is a complete prayer? So Rashi says he concentrated. A prayer with kavana, with concentration, that is a complete prayer. And an incomplete prayer is one without concentration. So basically what the Talmud seems to be telling us is that someone who prays with concentration is more likely to have their prayer answered. So if you see two people who prayed for the same thing and one was answered and one was not, so the, the reason, it's not always gonna be the case, but the reason may be because one of them concentrated on his prayer and one of them didn't. <clears throat> so Rabbi Eliel Lopian asks a very pointed question about this. You know, somebody, we're talking about people who are, one of, they're on their deathbeds, right? Or they're, they're being taken, they're, they're, they have a, a court case for a tribunal with the death penalty at stake. Can you imagine what those prayers must look like for both of them? Do you think for a second that one of them is praying and not concentrating on his prayers? 
right? They're, they're certainly both, they're not getting distracted by the buzzing of their smartphone or, you know, or by like, you know, something that they read last night, which jumps into their, into their minds. They're going to be fully, they're both going to be fully concentrating on their, on their prayers. So, so what, what is it, what is the scenario that the Talmud could be describing when it says that one concentrates and one and one does not, or one prays a complete prayer and one does not. So Rabbi Lopian answers, he says, certainly both of these people had kavana. They both concentrated. He says, you wanna know what the difference was? The difference was that one of them believed that his tefillah could help and the other one did not believe that his tefillah could help. So, in other words, one of them clarified this idea that we're talking about. One of them clarified for himself before he prayed, I'm speaking to God. God controls everything. God can get me out of this. God can cure the sick even when it seems incurable. God can get me, save me from this, this uh, sentencing even though it seems impossible. One of them developed for himself that confidence and one of them did not. So one of them is helped and one of them is not. Now it's not always gonna work this way, but we can understand that, that one of them now prayed what, we, what it calls a complete prayer or in Hebrew, tefillah shlema. It was full, it was perfect. It had everything it needed. It came from the heart because he really believed that God could fulfill what he was asking for. While the other one didn't pray as, as good of a quality prayer. He concentrated. He thought about every word that he said, but he didn't necessarily believe that God could answer the prayer. And therefore, the quality was different. And so this is, this is a fundamental idea to think about when we, when we approach prayer before we start. And now we'll get a little practical. You know, how do we, how do we get ourselves into this mindset? What do we do? What do we do to, to get ourselves into this, into this mindset? So the, the, the very simple answer is we have to think, right? If we, you know, especially someone who prays regularly, but even someone who prays less regularly, if you just start praying without thinking about exactly what you're doing before, then it's not going to be the same prayer. If we take a moment and the, you know, the, 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 uh, the sages of, of all the generations have, have recommended this. They, Maimonides writes about it and others. You know, take a moment before you pray just to think. And I know, I, I, to be honest, I often don't remember to do it. But when I do, when I do, it changes, it changes everything. It changes everything for me. Because I just take, and, and by the way, this is true also for grace after meals, for benching, for birkata mazon. Before you start, just think about what am I about to do? What am I even doing here? So if you do that before, then it changes everything. So what I wanna recommend for this week, and I think each week we'll try to kind of have a practical idea to work on, is that before we pray, take a moment to think about what we're about to do, but specifically to also focus on the idea that we've built up tonight, which is not just what I'm about, I mean, what am I about to do? What is the purpose of what I'm about to do? So what I'm about to do is to clarify for myself that God is in control of everything. So I'm going to start by praising God and reminding myself of God's benevolence, of God's omnipotence, that God can give me whatever it is that I need. God can help me in whatever situation I need help with. And then when I actually come to the point where I'm asking God, so the way that I'm asking it is, totally different now because right there in my mind is I'm speaking to the one who can actually you know provide me with what I need now again we're going to have to talk more about you know sometimes we get what we ask for sometimes we don't why you know why does it work that way but uh but that's the, but for now we're saying the purpose is really to develop for ourselves the the sense the awareness that God can give us what we need and through that also we draw closer to God because we're really speaking to him. It's a different level. Um, 
one point in the liturgy that we'll, we'll touch on. And as we, each week, we're going to try to go through a little bit. So the, the Shmona Asri, the Amidah, before we even start the blessings, we start with one, one phrase, one verse. And it reads, Hashem God, or my master, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. So we almost start our prayer with a prayer that God should help us pray. That's essentially what it is. God, open up my lips, allow me to pray. And the idea is, there may be different ways of understanding it, but one idea is that if we've really considered what we're about to do, before we pray, then we're going to need God's help. You know, imagine that uh, you're called upon to speak to a tremendous crowd, 100,000 people, right? In a stadium, you're, you're, the, you're the speaker, you're the, 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 the keynote speaker. So you can prepare and prepare and prepare, know exactly what you're going to say. But when you actually get up there, it's a totally different story. It's a totally different story. You, there's, you, you get up there with trepidation. You get up there with fear, not fear that they're going to like throw tomatoes at you, but just you're awestruck because you're speaking to this enormous crowd. It's something that's so much greater than yourself. And the same feeling should exist for us when we speak to God. If we clarify for ourselves before we actually start to pray, I'm about to speak to the king of kings, the king of the world, the creator of the world, the one who provides everything. So we, and, and we, we clarify this, we think about it, we meditate on it before we pray, we take that moment before we pray. So then when we're ready to start, it should almost be like, I, I can't even find the words, you know, who, who am I standing in front of? So we start off with this request that God help me find the words, help me open my mouth, help me pray to you. Just close with one story. So in some of you may remember, if you're young, if you're, if you're old enough, in 2005, there was uh, in, in Israel, the Israeli government evacuated Gush Katif in the Gaza Strip. It was, uh, Gush Katif was a whole bunch of settlements, Jewish settlements, and the Israeli government decided to give it back get, or give it to the, to the Palestinians. And, uh, and they 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 evacuated all the all the all the Jews who were living there, and uh, it was obviously very difficult, very controversial, and um, and there was a certain American-born Israeli soldier who was part of he was you know he was part of he was in the IDF, and he was ordered to participate in 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 evacuating the people, and and he did even though he himself. He did not agree with the with the decision and felt very badly for the for the people who were being evacuated and their homes were being destroyed and but but he participated because that was what he was told to do. Now, when uh, as they were evacuating one of the settlements, so after all the people had been loaded onto buses or however they 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 were moving them out, so he he had with him his siddur, his prayer book, and he went. And he dug a little hole in the ground and he buried it. And one of the rabbis from the settlement asked him, you know, why, why are you burying your siddur here? So he said, you know, he's, he hopes, he's confident that one day Jews will return to Gush Katif and, uh, and to this very settlement. And maybe, you know, in another few years, however many, five, 10, 20, whatever it is, a Jew will find this siddur the Sidur, and they'll realize that when the Jews left here, they, they, they left their hearts behind. That was, that was his thought. That was his message. That's why he buried the, the Sidur there. Now, just a year later in 2006, there was, uh, that's when Gilad Shalit got captured. And there, the, 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 uh, the Israelis, I don't remember exactly how everything played out, but the Israelis had to, the, the, the IDF had to enter Gaza again. And, uh, and this same American-born soldier, he was from Long Island, he, his, he was a commander. He was ordered to set up like a command post in the, in the Gaza Strip. And they entered at night, it was dark, and they, they found the place that they were, they were setting up. 
and and they sat up in the darkness. And in the morning, he looks, he, he, you know, he, it gets light out and he realizes that he's in the same settlement that he had evacuated, except for that now it's totally, it's totally destroyed. Um, the, the, the Israelis demolished the houses and, uh, and the, the Palestinians like looted and destroyed many of the buildings, the synagogues, et cetera. So, so there's basically nothing left. And he remembered that he had buried his Sidur there. And it's just a year later and he decided he was, you know, it must be, it's meant to be that he's back here again. He went and he dug up his Sidur. But he was very moved by this, very shaking perhaps. And he called up his rabbi in New York um, and asked him, you know, what do you think the message here is? What's the message? Why, why, why did God send my Sidur back to me? So his rabbi actually said, he said, I, you know, that, that question is above my pay grade. You should go to Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky is one of the leading um, rabbis in Israel. He's quite elderly now. He knows everything, literally. You know, everything, all, all of Torah, just like that. So saying uh, so he has tremendous insight. So, so he, he went to Rav Chaim Kanievsky and he told him the story. And Rav Chaim asked him, he said, what did you do to prevent the expulsion of the Jews from Gaza? So he was obviously on the side, you know, against this. And, uh, and the soldier said, I, I prayed, I davened constantly. And I pleaded with my superiors that we shouldn't follow the government's orders, but it was to no avail. And they insisted, and so we did it. So Reb Chaim said, after, afterwards, after they had evacuated the people, then what did you do? So he said, what, what could I do? It, it was over. They were already evacuated. So Reb Chaim Kanievsky said to him, he said, no, 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 no. The power of tefillah, the power of prayer is not to be underestimated. You should have taken your siddur in hand and continued to daven, continued to pray for the success, for the welfare, for the return of, of these people. Who knows what God could have done? This is God. He's all powerful. He can give us what we need. He can provide whatever it is. He said, you shouldn't have buried your siddur, your siddur in the ground. But you know what? God is giving you, God is giving you another chance. It, you thought it was over, but God is telling you, Hashem is telling you, it's never over. God sent your Sidur back to you to teach you to keep on praying. If you keep on praying, it's never over. God can always turn things around for you. Okay, we'll stop there. Thank you for joining. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi.